You are interested in the unknown, the mysterious, the unexplainable. That is why you are here. We are gathered here as advisors, as scientists. The kind of place the ghost like to wander. I'll help you. I'm something of a witch. Hargy there, mateys. Welcome to Mission Spooky. I am your Captain JC. With me today, the Queen of the Seas, Kiki. And our local cryptid enthusiast, Cord. <laughs> it hurts so much. First of all, JC, thank you so much for doing pirate voice again. I know it hurts. It does. It but does. It's what <laughs> the things we do for this ridiculous podcast. This is going to be episode 81. It's kind of a weird episode. We're going to smoosh a couple things together in this episode. Smoosh. Because the each one alone doesn't really constitute an entire episode, but yet they're both important to our pirate narrative. And uh, I would qualify this episode as a lot of horrors of humanity. Things that humans have done to each other that suck. Yes. The real spooky things of the world. Other people. Exactly. Like so, <laughs> I hate how sad that is. So again, is like with Thomas too. Not so much of um, hauntings or anything. More history based. This is historical, but we're we're going to talk about some some terrible things that people do to each other and some horrible fucking people. Yeah, that didn't get what they deserved, and that's that sucks. Oh wait, so we're talking about the uh, Finding Big Bigfoot cast. Oh, I see. I, I did some shade there. See what I did? Things I shit on the fine. Uh, I like. I we can. Yeah, yeah. We have had a request from one of our Patreon supporters that we should just do fun episodes just for Patreon um, on making fun of finding Bigfoot episodes, one I'm after in. another. You got Dude, it. I'm in. And I in. <laughs> And I said, what we I'm not. Do, okay, so what what we could do is we review an episode a week. Yeah, i I don't even want to. I don't even necessarily want to make fun of the show. I think it. I think it'd be funny to just watch and then just talk about it because I I feel like if I watch and don't talk about it, it's gonna upset me way more than if I was doing it for content. <laughs> Same. I'm just gonna watch Djibouti Dubs doing it and Djibouti Dubs over and over again. It's a, such a good episode. It's Djibouti so funny. Dubs. It's fucking top notch entertainment, right? There. Actually, Djibouti Dubs in general is like top notch entertainment. Hey, it's your girl Kathy. <laughs> What's up, motherfuckers? Another Rick Yeah. So, um, go watch Djibouti Dubs on YouTube. It's it's totally worth it. I made my husband watch all of the uh, the Kathy ones. Yeah, so a little bit of lightheartedness there before we get into the shit. So um, when we get back from a, a word from our wonderful sponsor, we will be discussing three pirates who will wind up being very integral to the final pirate heist and the Battle of Beachy Head, which has a lot to do with the final pirate we will be discussing. Welcome back, you landlubbers. lubbers. <laughs> 
<laughs> you didn't think I'd do it with the voice, did you? Hey, hey. You might have also been thinking that Core didn't have a joke for us, but what you got? <laughs> hey, guys. <laughs> Hi, Core. You ready for a real humdinger? No. <laughs> I just want to state that Core does not run these past us before, so we are going to be live reacting to this shitty. You ready joke. for a real knee slapper? <laughs> <laughs> just your laugh. What did the pirate say? when he found his wooden leg in the freezer. I don't like this. Shiver me timbers! <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> I hate my life. I think that Court has finally like, crossed over into JC territory. <laughs> uh, Possibly worse. This is the worst joke I've ever found in my life. <sighs> That's what you said about the last one. Yeah. <laughs> That I found this one. This is pretty horrible. He keeps one-upping himself. Which, I mean, I appreciate because it's like, have your dreams. Fulfill your dreams. I appreciate it. It's like Chumbawamba said way back in the day. You get knocked down, get back up again. Thank you, Chumbawamba. (laughs) Chumbawamba, a great British rock band from 1982. They just recently disbanded in 2012. I say recently, but whatever. In my world, it's recent. Perfect segue into talking about the English Royal Navy. (laughs) So anyway, uh, so yeah, I guess the takeaway here is that Chumbawamba looks like, according to what I'm reading, is from the Lancashire area. So that's kind of cool because that's like where my ancestors are from. And um, recently found out doing this research that one of my ancestors uh, is kind of responsible for all this bullshit. Because, oops, yeah. So, according to a genealogist from England, when my cousin went to England to do in-depth genealogical research, we discovered that we are, in fact, about ninety-five percent sure that uh, we are distant relatives of Sir Wollstonehome. Yeah, he uh, he was a founder of the East India Company and the Virginia Company. Boo. So. Uh, I'm, as far as that side of my family goes, we're only third generation in America from England. We are not, we have not been here that long. Like this, the roots of, of, of the Walsenholm family is where my ancestor, my direct ancestors are from. Sir John was part of the ancestral line that moved south into London. So this is why they're like, yeah, we're, we're pretty sure you know, you you can claim that. You can say that you're a distant ancestor of Sir John because that, that is actually in his biography. It says that he is from an, quote, ancient family line from Lancashire. That's where we're originally from. So it's like, I, that's pretty freaking cool. So that was that was fun to find out. He also did a couple other really funny things and, and reading about an ancient ancestor and then laughing and going, <sighs> Yep, I know why I am the way I am. Yeah, yep, it's always been that way. Probably. Yeah, yeah. Also, a hundred percent. Like, if I if I was living in this time period that we're about to talk about, I would be a thousand. I'm a thousand percent sure uh, that I would definitely be a royalist. <laughs> I would be working uh, for the crown and getting those goddamn taxes. Fuck Oliver Cromwell. That's damn. Yes, that's that's what I'm saying. Now, I'm also, though, disappointed because 
chord you had said before when we were talking about the Royal Navy and it, it has it's always had like I think for us growing up and reading our history books and being taught the history. Wait, you guys know how to read? Uh, yeah, okay. I said me and him. Yes, I left you out of it. <laughs> Gotta sneak it in there. I know. Yeah, we have this, um, we have World War II, I think very specifically in our heads about how fantastic the British Navy was. We have this like vision of them always being a hundred percent perfect right yeah committing genocide across the world yeah yeah the only people that i really ever heard of that were up to snuff with the british navy was spanish armada mm. that's the only one i really ever hear of that's like oh yeah these guys will beat your ass even though the french were like totally doing the same exact thing yeah you only ever really hear of british and spanish so and dutch yeah see what happened was things changed and things got worse. Things were really going well, and then things got bad. And I'm in here to talk about the bad part. And I think it's it's interesting because I try very hard not to put things in a in a modern perspective. But yet, man, I'm reading this going, oh man, this is exactly what we're dealing with now when it comes to just corporate America. I know that there's always going to be a case of what I'm about to talk about, like here and there within our own armed forces, but. Honestly, I think it's pretty fair. Like I said, I know that there's going to be one or two incidences, but I don't think you're going to find this particular thing happening. So first, I'm going to talk about some problems with the Royal Navy that lead to uh, a lot of battles getting lost, I, I think. And then we're going to talk about specifically the Battle of Beachy Head and how that's going to affect a lot of our pirates going forward. And then we're going to talk about three men in particular who also may have had some misgivings, especially after this loss. When the Navy first started out, it was kind of the best place for a commoner to go to. You could enter the Royal Navy and you could work your way up the ranks as long as you were working ah, hard. The American dream. Right. As long as you were working hard, right, and, and listening and paying attention pass your exams fantastic the opportunity was there and the best part was that you could sort of go from being a quote just a commoner to having a little bit more clout right because you're you're now an officer in the royal navy yeah but then the spoiled rich kids started to get hired ah nepotism at its finest Yay. yeah so daddy or uncle or cousin is in the Royal Navy and they're already an officer. And now this sort of becomes the best way for spoiled little rich kids who don't really want to work too hard to get into the Royal Navy. Well, who are they going to be taking orders from most of the time? Their own family. Well, commoners who are above them. The commoner who's worked his way up. Ah, I see where this is going. Yeah. So now spoiled little rich kid tells mommy and daddy that I don't want to have to take orders from so-and-so because he ain't nothing but a scrub. He's a peasant. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. So over time, this is going to cause a breakdown in the command structure because, you know, because of their name, you know, their last name, they don't want to have to actually put the work in that everybody else has. They may get extra stuff that the other guys don't get who've actually worked their ass off to get where they are. The problem becomes compounded when the Navy doesn't pay the people for doing the jobs they're doing. Oh, that's 
a terrible idea. And this is coming at maybe the worst time because you're you're starting up King William's War, as it's called by the uh, American colonies. So we have to have press gangs because nobody really wants to join the Navy. You probably heard rumors by this time that... The rich kids get all the good stuff and you're not really going to make a name for yourself in the Navy anymore if you're a commoner and you're not going to get paid either. So, you know, good luck with that. That would be enough for me to be like, I don't need to join the military. <laughs> yeah, right. So so you don't get paid. Eh, I'm out. <laughs> so what is a recruiter going to say to somebody like, oh, we desperately England desperately needs you to fight. OK, well, how much am I going to get paid? How's my family going to live? Um, uh, we'll, we'll figure that out later. Yeah. <laughs> Good question. Have you ever heard of a Camaro? What? Oh, that's what they were doing when I was of like enlisting age. They just offered people Camaros or Dodge Chargers or, you know, whatever those fancy cars were, are. What? When what? I was of enlisting age, about to turn 18, uh, um, recruiters would call me and they'd literally be like you know you could get like a dodge charger or whatever the fuck car it was a big thing okay all right so i take back what i said about our military because you know i never heard of that well i can tell you that my nephew just recently got called by a recruiter because it's you know he's becoming of enlistment age and um that was not offered to him. So maybe that was just a very specific. It's like a big thing from that, that time period. You could, it, it's, it happened a lot. That's really funny. Huh. Uh, anyway, good to know. Uh, hey, if you're ex-military and that's how you got in it because you were promised a car, let us know because I'm very curious now. Anywho, they can't really recruit. And that's where we get the press gangs involved. Now, we mentioned these guys earlier, and JC, you thought it was just a gang of journalists. and um, As it should be. As it should be, yes. But they're pretty fucking terrible people. See, this is one of those horrors of humanity, because I think that you have to be a total piece of shit in order to even be in a press gang. But, let's face it, you're either in the press gang, or you're being pressed <laughs> by yep. the press gang. Did we elaborate at all what a press gang was? Not that yes. I don't know, but okay. <laughs> yeah, and I'll and I'll say it again here. So so basically, it's often called a press gang, but most of the time, this was like in a singular individual in part of the said gang would go to you know one of the nicer taverns per se. Like it happened in London, but it could happen in any of the other towns as well. And they go to the nicer tavern, and they might single out a dude who's. Uh, Beverly drinking by himself, maybe, right? And he starts making friends with that guy. And he's like, hey, man, you know, how about I buy you a round? How about I buy you six or seven rounds? How about, how about we just completely get plastered tonight, even though I'm a total stranger? And then when that poor guy would wake up the next morning, he would be on a boat. Hey. That's how desperate they became. But it was really their own fault. If you're gonna screw over commoners and not give them their just rewards and not elevate them like you should because they've worked hard to get there but you're going to take some rich kid and put him in charge because of his last name or because of you know his father's a duke or an earl well then nobody's going to want to work for you you know 
No, no, I disagree. It's just nobody wants to work anymore these days. I know where you're going with this, and we're not going to politicize it. Just no one wants to work, Kiki. There's definitely nothing corporations or jobs have ever done wrong. And it's incredibly sad how relatable this exact story is to to current events. You've never sound more American than you just did. I do what I can. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm dying. I'm dying right now. I had to mute myself because I was laughing so hard. Okay. Um. Yeah, so, you know, JC's totally joking but anyway (laughs) (laughs) i hope so yeah yes yes i am right 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 well and see (laughs) it's so funny because it feels like it does go all the way back this is this is like this late 1600s and yeah we're having a deal with buttholes who are like you know what's wrong with the commoners they just they just want to work these days you know i mean i understand that like they got totally fucked over for their you know position but they should still work i mean it's for England. They should just do it for England, right? <laughs> In fact, isn't that what's happening with the current like English railway ways? Like they're going trying to go on strike and the government's like, "No, you're not allowed. You have to keep working." Because we need you. But we're not going to pay you more or meet any of your demands. Just keep working. We're going to make it illegal for you to go on strike. Work until you die. That's my plan. It's everybody's plan because right now that's the only options that are being given to us unless, of course, we turn to other avenues like thievery. Yeah, but then you're still working until you die. Yeah, but it's a lot more fun. And that's what I'm about to talk about. (laughs) Oh, okay. Segway. Got it. Well, you have to figure that at this point, there are going to be a lot of people going, why do I want to work for England again? What, What am I getting out of it? Oh, nothing. Okay. Maybe I'll do something different. Maybe I'll just be a privateer because I'm still technically working for England, but I have a little bit more leeway. Right. I can branch out. I can, you know. I can be my own boss. In a way, yeah. Yeah. If you're a captain, absolutely. (laughs) But as we've discovered through reading tons and tons of books and material that the pirate life had a little bit more democracy than obviously the Royal Navy did. So... Now we're going to talk about the Battle of Beachyhead. This this is going to be like a turning point for a lot of people because a lot of mistakes are made and there is a lot of selfishness going on within the people who have the ear of the king and queen. So I'm I'm not going to get too much into another battle, but I will mention this one first because it's the lead in to Beachyhead. So the Battle of Bantry Bay. I like this that one <laughs> right <laughs> it was not a win for england <laughs> that one didn't go well it went slightly better <laughs> than than the battle of beachyhead the belligerents are france versus england as i said french victory this happens in 1689 and the earl of torrington is commanding the english it's only important to note that because he's going to also be a commander during the Battle of Beachy Head right. in 1690. Not quite a year, exactly a year later, but Torrington, he's already seen the French fleet. He knows they're, they got their shit together. For sure. And he knows that the English fleet is not really up to snuff. But you got a couple of guys, actually three men, who are going to be total dickheads about everything and force Torrington into the Battle of Beachy Head, and it's just ridiculous. So you've got the Duke of Leeds, John Osborne, 
He's also president of the Royal Council, which means that he has the ear of the queen right now. William is off fighting. So Wait, isn't that like a crime? You can't uh, just go around taking her ear. I swear to God. <laughs> Why? <laughs> All right. So anyway, William's off fighting. Mary's back in London and she's having to deal with some of this stuff. Earl of Nottingham. He just cares a lot more about himself and his country and everything that he does in general is all about how much can he possibly get out of it. And lastly, you've got Edward Russell. Now, he is the Earl of Orford. Russell was in the Navy during the reign of King James II. He was fired from being First Lord Commander. Of the Night's Watch. No, because he was <laughs> because he wasn't very loyal. <laughs> to James II, when William III of William and Mary, present present time period, uh, they come into power, William rehires him. Unlike Earl of Nottingham and Duke of Leeds, he's actually had experience in the Navy, which leads everyone to believe that what happens next is just because he's being an asshole. <laughs> yeah, so he'd been admiral, but then our guy Torrington, he took that position. Right. Russell's effectively demoted to a desk job in London, which means that he has a lot more time to talk with the Queen and he's got an axe to grind against Torrington because he wants that job back. See, it's not about what you're capable of. It's about who you know. Yeah, in this case. Sometimes, yeah. yes. So these three, these three assholes, there's no other way to put it. Just, they just are. These fucking guys. Exactly. Here we go again. We got some fucking guys. These fucking guys. I'm kind of like truncating this, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time explaining it. If you're interested in the in all the details of the Battle of Beachyhead, there is another fantastic podcast called History of Pirates. And Matt does a fantastic job. He goes through a lot of these things in grand detail. I'm just trying to truncate this down to like the important parts, right? He also has a whole episode dedicated to Bantry Bay too, which is very interesting. So to speed things up a little bit, I'll just say this. The French forces are at a place called Brest, or, okay, no joke there. Okay, so the ear of the queen got a joke. The rest doesn't. Okay, all right. Yeah, obviously, that's an important thing. I'm I'm just listening, okay? Okay, so they're there. Vice Admiral Torville has taken part of the fleet and gone elsewhere, leaving a decent portion of the French fleet at Brest. And now you've got these fucking guys saying that Torrington should attack that fleet uh, while Torville is not there. As I said, Torrington has just fought these guys at Bantry Bay, and he says, no, are you out of your fucking mind? <laughs> I don't want to. Right. Like, they're not there because they can't fight. They're just there. And, and possibly they're there uh, as a trap to do exactly what you're telling me to do. Like, go fight these guys. So you're fucking crazy. Well, in this case, Mary kind of gets played a bit by these three fucking guys. And she's going to force Torrington into a, a position in which he either fights the French or gets hanged for treason. You know, for not following the Queen's orders to mm -hmm. go mm -hmm. attack the French. Kind of like a between a rock and a hard place thing. Yes. But it's like between the Queen and some breasts. Yeah, yes. I get it. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> Some big old titties. 
So I'm going to speed up the the fight here. I'm not going to get into the details of it. There's going to be several mistakes that are made during the battle. Some of them are not really anybody's fault, such as the wind. Uh, they didn't have the wind guy. The wind guy didn't do his uh, job that day. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, the wind guy sucks. There are plenty of times where I see the wind as a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it knocks a few of the ships off course. The, the captains of those ships just, just have, a, especially one in particular, has a very bad time trying to course correct. And then they do, and then they wind up taking a huge hit from the French. And then it's it's just, it's a disastrous mess. So the sad part is that originally Torrington's looking at this like, we're all going to die. <laughs> this is going to be so bad. There's no way that we're going to win this Two wait a minute, we might actually win this fight. We're not doing too bad. Oh, fuck. Nope, we're fucking losing. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> fuck. Goddamn wind. Motherfucker, right? Like, it was, yeah, it was probably exactly, I, I want I want Torrington to be exactly like that. On on his ship, just being like, yes, we can do, fuck. Uh, okay, nope. We're all gonna die again. Sorry, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm gonna take a break, though, before we get to the really bad part. You know, the loss, the actual loss. And I haven't really said up until this very moment who the pirate is that's going to be like the end pirate of this particular story arc. And that's a man that maybe a lot of people don't know named Henry Avery. Hey. Sometimes he goes by Henry Avery. Yeah, buddy. He is at this battle. He is serving with Torrington on the main battleship that's in the center line. And he is the master's mate. And that's because he also fought at Bantry Bay. So right now, Henry Every has, is going through a second loss. And he's on the main ship that's now surrounded by the French. <laughs> and it's this point. It's at this point he knew he fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's at this point that Torrington also says, we need to retreat. Interesting part is that Vice Admiral Torville of the French fleet did not pursue them when they retreated. Torval's going to get in trouble for this with his uh, French counterparts, but nothing happens to him. He gets yelled out about it, and he's like, whatever, you know. And the reason that Torville gets, get, gets yelled at and doesn't pursue is because, remember how I said he wasn't supposed to be there? Yeah, he fucking showed up. <laughs> so Torrington was not incorrect. He knew this was, this was like an attempt to get them to fight. Loss for the English, not a good look. Torrington gets court-martialed for his performance at the Battle of Beachy Head. Also not a good look. All three of the fucking guys involved in the conspiracy testified against Torrington. He winds up getting acquitted, but he also lost his job. Oof. Which is exactly what Russell wanted. Edward Russell, right? He wanted him to get demoted so that Russell could then be re-promoted. All of these three men, these selfish, selfish men, get what they want, but at the great cost to the English Navy. Because that's two major losses in a row, the second one being one that was forced. And now you have a whole bunch of people going, I don't think I fucking want to work for these assholes anymore. And that also included privateers as well. They start just being like, nope. Nah, we'd rather live. Well, not only that, but why are we trying to protect this place? Because, like, imagine being Henry Every. 
He's on the ship with Torrington twice. He's probably heard the ridiculous allegations against his captain, which, uh, you know, some came out before the court-martial. Like, these three guys were saying, like, oh, you're a coward, or oh, you're still in with second, or, you know, you're a traitor, you don't want to fight the French, blah, blah, blah. And then you see your captain be like, no, I'm not a coward, and I'll, I'll do what I have to do. I'll try to make this work. Right. Maybe you admire him for that. But then after this court martial and him losing his job, are you going to fucking stay in the Navy? I don't know. Probably not. No. No. And that's exactly what Henry Every does. He resigns. He resigns and he's going to go on to be one of the greatest pirates of all time. Plot twist. Get it, boy. Okay, we're going to get to his story. And like I said, it's not just what Every is thinking. Privateers everywhere are also thinking the same thing, including a man we just talked about, Thomas too, are starting to deliberate whether or not uh, working for the crown is actually a good idea. Yeah, especially if this is how they're going to be treated. Yeah, I mean, it kind of sounds like the dude like actually tried and everybody was like, nah, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, I think that Torrington's story is like, one of the worst. But I'm also going to mention another dude. So you had men like Torrington here getting torn down and fired when they actually knew what the fuck they were doing. But then there's this guy. This fucking guy. This fucking guy. This fucking guy over here. Commodore Warren. Absolute fucking asshole. He was at the Battle of Beachy. Matt in History of Pirates podcast talks about this guy. I could not find the reference, though, for this, but I, I trust him. He's very, very thorough in his research, and this must be in a book somewhere. He would, you know, he doesn't make shit up. Right. And it's funny because I found out about him well after I already read about Battle of Beachyhead. I had no idea that he was there and that he had apparently broken the line at some point because he had decided that he had an in and that he could go attack a French ship and that he could win against that particular ship. And he wanted his fortune and glory. And he did it at the cost of the rest of the ships. This fucking guy. I was like, damn. Does he get reprimanded for his terrible, selfish performance at the battle? Obviously, yes. I know how these stories always end, Kiki, and yes. He's a Commodore. Absolutely, right? Like, he should 110,000% lose his job over this, right? Because he, he's not one of the guys who, and I guess I'm not, I didn't get into all the logistics of it because some people may not be that interested in all of the little finer details, but there is a, a captain who, like I said, the wind just, he just gets fucked and he tries to correct it. And really, no one blames him, though, for what happened. Not even Torrington, I think, really did blame him for it. This guy. He actually fucking fucks shit up on purpose, full well knowing that he's fucking over everyone else in this battle to get something that he wanted. No, he doesn't get court-martialed. No, 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 no. Because the time now, the Royal Navy, they just start to promote total dickheads like this guy. They continually give him bigger and better ships. And I mean, continually. He didn't, you know, it would have been great. Maybe he just died like, you know, a year after the Battle of BJ. But no, 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 no. He gets promoted again and again until he finally, this, this particular story is going to go on the books for a different pirate that we may talk about because he's, this pirate is also from uh, the Northeast. But we have 
absolute evidence that he tortured and killed some of his own crew. Some of the crew is killed by his own Huber. You know, he's just one of these guys who thinks he knows better about everything all the time, including, I don't know, navigation. He essentially starves some of his men to death, and then he just outright fucking kills them. Like, just shoots them right there on the deck of the ship. Very cool, dude. This guy sounds like a great guy. I like to imagine it started with a conversation like this. Like, the first mate co- comes up to him, and he's like, Hey, Captain, the uh, the men, they have real low morale. Oh, well, who has, like, the lowest... Does somebody want to speak for them on their behalf? Like, let's bring these issues up. Let's talk about it. And then, like, the guy that scrubs the, the decks, he's like, Well, sir. And he just pulls out his flintlock and blasts him in the fucking head. <laughs> Anyone got low morale now? <laughs> That's how I imagine this conversation. That's probably not really that far off. Uh, yeah. That's bad. This guy's a, just the biggest asshole ever. And he does not ever get justice for any of the terrible things that he does to his men. And at one point you're wondering, well, wouldn't couldn't the men just mutiny? Because it's, you know, a lot of men versus him. But he'd have to have, the officers would have to be against him as well. And... That didn't yeah. quite happen. And mutinies, when it comes to military, is not, like, the best idea. Because, I mean, then that's immediately also treason yeah. kind of stuff, if I'm not mistaken. Now, no, it is. Yeah. What's, what's interesting, though, is that at the end of this particular scenario, in which they were well after, you know, the Battle of Beachyhead, this recorded history... He does get taken to court by families of the dead men that he murdered, like just straight up fucking murdered. He gets taken. He he gets taken to court by family members who knew that their husbands, sons, brothers, you know, died of starvation because this asshole thought that he knew better about navigation when he didn't. Did anything come of it, or did he just go to court and go, meh? I was a captain. I do what I want. What do you think happened, Cord? Do you think he got brought to justice? I think not. (laughs) (laughs) No. No, he did not get brought to justice because England was a fucking disaster then. I I don't understand. (sighs) I don't understand. I mean, oh, and speaking of not being able to mutiny, it's because, well, he had all of them in chains. Oh, my God. Yeah. So they couldn't, you know, kill him. (laughs) so you want to talk about low morale okay like he was how do you run a ship (laughs) very poorly okay like i positive can do attitude cord you can accomplish many things can do attitude he had him chained up because of morale it's the opposite of a can do attitude he had them he you know he was trying to challenge them to be their best selves so their best selves are in shackles no, no, their best selves is past the shackles. Once they get out of them, they have to. Work. It's a team building exercise, Cord. You don't understand corporate America. Oh wait, I mean feudalism, uh, England. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Sometimes I get the two mixed up. <laughs> see, see, you see the oh you see God. the parallels here. You see the parallels here, and you can't help but not feel when you're reading this. Or listening to it right now, folks. I'm sure that some of you... All of a sudden, all the pieces fall into place, and the dominoes start falling, and you go, Wait! I know where this is going! 
Corporate America. <laughs> it's fucking horrible. I mean, that's what, and that's what it's like. I mean, J- JC and I worked for the same company. And at this point, I've, it's been, I've been out of it for like two years now. So I don't fucking care. But I work, I work for Michaels. And um, we saw this constantly, especially with people who were promoted. Our stupid district manager. Uh, terrible. Fucking horrible at his job. And yet he's a DM. Like, I don't. I don't understand. What the fuck? I don't get yeah, it. I can feel that. I can relate to that. Yeah. <laughs> so so here you go. Cam- Commodore Warren. Same thing. Fuck him. You know, like, piece of shit. The only thing, the only thing I could say positive about our DM was at least he didn't murder anybody that I know of. He didn't chain you up in the bathroom because you were talking shit on him? <laughs> he would have if he could have. Yes. Thank you. I know JC, he's way too squirmy for chains. He would have never allowed (laughs) him to get put on him in the first place. Goddamn right I wouldn't. (laughs) If JC was on the Commodore ship, he would have jumped the ship before he let the dude put shackles on him. Well, that's because I I grew up in corporate America. These guys wouldn't know what the the positivity that'd be coming their way and just the the opportunities for development that I would bring to them. JC's like, nope, I know where this is going. I'm out. I'd rather swim. (laughs) (laughs) The opportunities for development, as in this baseball bat I'll be taking to the back of your skull. JC goes, develop this, asshole. Splash. Oh, yeah. So we already talked about Thomas, too. I love Thomas, too. I do, too. Um, He'll come up again in our grand finale. But I'm going to take the time here to just mention three other men who are going to become pirates. So the first dude I'm going to talk about is actually connected to Thomas, too, in uh, two ways. One, he was already the first mate aboard the Amity when uh, they first attacked the mogul ship, the first mogul ship that they attacked. All right, so Richard Want is our first pirate. He was already a buccaneer. He served under George Rayner. On the Bachelor's Delight has some interesting connotations to it as far as, like, the name of the ship. Uh, Do do you guys want to guess what those might be? (laughs) <laughs> the bachelor's delight um yeah i'm gonna say it's where they filmed the 15th season of the bachelor that would be better than what it's actually possibly about so oh well bachelors are basically single guys so a strip club whorehouse a whore boat whores on boats boats and hoes <laughs> <laughs> We got there. We got, we got there. there. It took me a little bit, but I got there. Oh, it's an hose. I'm going to guess that it's the a reference to the sweat on your brow after a hard day's work. <laughs> Bachelor's Delight, baby. Yeah. I have to mention the name because it just, the first time I heard it, I did think like the non-threatening type thing was, oh, okay, well, they're all a bunch of pirate bachelors and they're out marauding and having fun except they also do rape a lot of people so (laughs) ew (laughs) no bueno that's actually not a great name for a ship so uh not a whole lot of backstory about richard other than like the important things that he does have this experience as a buccaneer already he did wind up supposedly settling down in South Carolina and getting married, but he does become more associated with New 
and he is going to be one of the Rhode Island pirates. He also served as first mate on Thomas II's Amity during the mission that we talked about in in Thomas II's episode. So Richard Want has tons of... So I just want to point out, and I've been wanting to say this, but like his name, if you put it like on a government document where you go like last name, first name, he wants Dick. That's what I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. I was leading up to that too, to be honest, waiting for an opportunity to bring it out. <laughs> oh, okay. Cool, cool. See, I never need like an opportunity to bring a dick joke out. I just do. Anyway. <laughs> so when he is going to join up, though, with other pirates, Richard Want is going to have his own ship. And that is going to be the six gun, 60 man Spanish brigantine named the Dolphin. Dude, I love that. What I think is really cool is that his ship gets fitted in Philadelphia. In Philadelphia. Yeah, Philadelphia. Yeah. Damn. Was there like um, a Rocky montage where it's getting like fitted up? <laughs> the Eye of the Tiger plays as they're loading oh, yeah, cannons sure. onto the ship. Yeah, for sure. They do the running up the stairs thing, but it's just like the short stairs to the upper deck. <laughs> Actually, I started to imagine the boat sailing up the stairs. <laughs> So either the governor of Pennsylvania gave him his commission. He's going to take the privateering commission to cover up his activities, which will obviously be pirating, because I've already told you that that's what's going to happen. Only slightly nefarious activities. Another Newport pirate, or another Rhode Island pirate, is going to be Joseph Farrow. Now, this one's a little strange because his ship is a bark named the Portsmouth Adventure. A Captain Bank was originally in charge of that ship, and he turns over his commission. The Portsmouth Adventure is going to be a 90-ton, six-gun vessel with a crew of 60. Is that like a big boat? I don't know how big boats were at this time. But I feel like that's like not small. It's a bark. Like from a tree or Do from a know? dog? Oh, my God. Because I don't know what that is. That's fine. I believe it's, I believe it's B-A-R-Q-U-E. It is. Something like that? K-U-E? Sometimes people do spell it just B-A-R-K. Really? Yeah. So a bark has three or more masts. Uh, so it's a, it's pretty damn big. Um, Bigger than a sloop. One of the larger ones is a, is 135 feet. All right. So it's a it's a decent size. It's a decent size boat. Yeah. Especially for the time. Yeah, it have that. No, not not at all. They're wanting to be faster. Ah, yes. Yeah. They need to outrun things. They need to be able to maneuver better. Okay. So lastly, we have Thomas Wake. And his ship, the Susanna, is outfitted in Boston. That's going to be a 100-ton, 10-gun, and 70-man, the Susanna. And he's sort of an interesting dude because he takes... The amnesty for pirates that King James gave out. It was kind of like a general order, but ends up taking another privateering commission, um, you know, to again eventually be pirate. So all three of these guys are kind of known as the Newport pirates or the Rhode Island pirate crew. And so there's not much else to talk about with them at this point until we get to the big score. And as I've already told you, that's going to be all of these guys plus. Henry Every, and they're going to be the last uh, the last of this particular story arc for these pirates of New England. 
All right. So that's going to wrap it up for this particular episode. And our feature of music today is from Horror House again. Scott has put out a very interesting goth ambient. <laughs> it's pretty freaking cool. Interesting. What's it called? And the album is called La Pisadira. The song that I chose off of this is called Ghost Oppression. Before I thought you said Ghost Depression. I was like, <laughs> that is very, that is about the most gothic. <laughs> that's probably the most goth fucking title I've ever heard for a song. <laughs> it's just Ghost Depression. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. I'm going to tell Scott. Scott, if you're listening, Ghost Depression should be the remix of Ghost Oppression. There you go. But make it like a really happy, joyous to be alive song just to fuck with people. I love it. Uh, but right now, Ghost Oppression from Horror House. And when we get back, Spooky Squad News. So I'm sorry. Did fucking YouTube just literally recommend own podcast to me to listen to? Really? Yeah. Fantastic. Thanks, YouTube. Jackass. <laughs> uh, oh, man, it 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 recommended our Tommy knock with Brennan <laughs> to me. Like, thanks. Yeah, I I made it. Yeah, you're right. It's fucking good. Yeah, every, I do think everyone should listen to it. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, so perfect segue. YouTube. Yeah, go go follow us on. We don't talk about YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> I should be watching that movie. I have yet to see it. I'm so mad. I just. It's good. <laughs> I'm. Sh- everybody loves it. My child is going through uh, Disney films right now. He started with Pinocchio. Oh, they're doing a retelling of that? Yeah, I know. Live action. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, so... Hard pass. <laughs> follow us on YouTube, even if you don't listen to it, if you already listened to the pod, but it just helps get more people to, you know, listen to the podcast through... Exposure! Another means, yes. And it's just a very simple, just follow it, you know? Also, we're coming up on year three, and we have been discussing, like, what the heck can we do specifically for youtube to make that a little bit more interesting so maybe by the end of the third year we'll have this all i don't know Uh. (sighs) yeah we're also on all the platforms facebook twitter follow us on instagram it's good stuff twitter's mostly me me talking about how much i fucking hate the world right now you have some you put up gardening stuff or is that tiktok TikTok and Instagram is more of the gardening and nature. A little bit, little bit witchy stuff, too. You can sign up for our Patreon. We have $1, $3, $5. $1 gets you a shout-out on the podcast and uh, some archive material. And $3 level gets you access to some special episodes that we put up just for you guys. And also uh, the art cards and the, and the stat blocks for whenever we do Cord versus Cryptid. We have those creatures. We use them, print them off, and play them. 
And the $5 level, um, we'll have some cool stuff at some point for $5. But we have some people who just want us to keep doing the podcast and we appreciate it. It does get you, currently it does get you access to our special Patreon Discord that we have set up. So we have, the future is there. I've talked about that in the last episode. A lot of it just has to do with scheduling conflicts now with the group of people that we have. So they're happy to give us the $5 a month and knowing that it eventually we'll have something set up uh, where more people can participate in that $5 level. So love you guys. Um, we are technically right now part of the Blind Knowledge Entertainment community. There's live streamers, there's YouTube artists, there's podcasters, a um, little bit of everything. So I think collectively, all of us who are involved have said that of an entertainment community than a podcast network. I just want to mention a couple of the podcasts that are actually part of this community. Manic Pixie Weirdo. That's effing weird, which I've mentioned before. There's the Nerdy Nomicon. <laughs> Nerdy Nomicron. <laughs> <laughs> it's um not exactly what you think. Uh, <laughs> Cron, spelled C-H-R-O-N as in chronic <laughs> yeah um cult film companion is awesome uh gruesome twosome movie reviewsome <laughs> fun 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 and uh same some of the same crossover from that podcast does sweet and sour nuggy podcast which is cute and then and uplifting and <laughs> i love i love those guys i love our gals i say um and there's a few more some of them are on hiatus so just keep a lookout for that. And there is a website set up. It's blindknowledge.com and we're, we're on there. So just, like I said, a fun group of people to be involved with. All right. So taking us out again is going to be Horror House with the song Ghost Oppression. And as always, stay spooky and don't die. But if you do, contact us. Via, if you could, <clears throat> I want you to... Send your nephew, uh, give him a letter, right? Pro give him a promotion to be a letter carrier. Send that letter to us. He's going to F it up and drop the letter somewhere. That's fine. You're still going to pay him and give him a big, like, high five. We'll never get the letter. So you're going to want to then also send, like, another nephew with another letter um, to us, which also won't get to us because he's also probably incompetent. What if they don't have a nephew? Go to www.hireanephew.com. <laughs> <laughs>